Hello and welcome everyone to the Coffee and Cool Podcast. My name is Casey Long and joining me today is, of course, Matthew Salinas, Ian Marie, and James Friendo over here. And we're just going to kind of carry on our conversation from last week. Um, We're going to be talking about... You know, some really fun stuff like writer's blog, how it makes you want to pull the hair out of your head, how to work with it, how to, you know, scream and cry from it, and of course, how to find inspiration. So, with that being said, guys, have you all had writer's block before? Uh, Does that imply that I'm not actively experiencing it? Does it? I don't know, but I am. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that. How long have you been experiencing it? About 20 years. <laughs> oh, James. Okay. So, seriously, though, like, when you hit writer's block, what exactly does that mean for you? Like, is it more of, like, a motivation thing? Is it an inspiration thing? Is it more of, like, a I don't know where the fuck I'm going right now type of thing? Like, what is it? It's all of the above and simultaneously on occasion um, none of the above. It's when I can just sit staring in front of a blank Google Doc uh, with absolutely no other stimulus for literal hours and just like will myself to write and then not get a single word because it's it's blank it's like a fucking like a dam shuts okay so it's like this this dam shuts to the river of your inspiration and motivation inspiration is quite literally a flow that's why we call it being in the flow okay what about you erica have you ever faced writer's block before i have faced a whole writer's wall (laughs) okay you want to tell us about that i've seen it constructed brick by brick in front of me a horrifying monolith of just wall (laughs) Um, and for me getting out of it is a little difficult because the factors that tie into my writer's block can uh, vary from the normal things to my own mental health (laughs) like if I'm not doing good upstairs in my own brain my writing isn't going to do good you know that's really interesting that you bring mental health into it because I feel like while writing can be a very, very good outlet for us to kind of express how we're feeling, express, you know, what is going through our minds. I feel like if we're not up to par mentally, we're fucking ourselves with writer's block, you know, it it quickly will manifest itself. Um, what about you, Matthew? Have you ever experienced writer's block? Yeah, I I feel like it's something that, you know, inevitably everybody deals with 
And I got to say, I kind of agree with both James and Erica in the fact that one, to kind of build off of what James was saying, you know, there are days when you're in the flow and it's just like words come so easily and then you can come back to a project another day. And I feel like the hard part with that is not only trying to get in the same headspace you were, but also to just, it just can be so insurmountably difficult sometimes and then also kind of like what erica was saying too i mean if i had a dollar for every time i had an existential crisis while i'm writing i mean i'd i'd probably be a kajillionaire but (laughs) i mean at the at the end of the day it you know i i do it because i love it and i i just gotta take it for what it's worth with that that's usually how i get myself to power through okay you know when when I have writer's block, I typically have it hit me two different ways. One, when I'm doing world building, I typically will get writer's block a few times during it because I want to create this like vivid and complex fantasy world, right? With its own rules, its own creatures, its own cultures. But I don't know how to stop or how to start typically like is this enough is this not enough and that will stall me with my world building and then i also have some like plot stagnation writer's block where i have this plot i don't know where the hell i'm taking it though you know like i know i want to go from a to d but i don't know how to get from A to B, B to C, and then C to D, you know? And that's always been a problem I've had. No, I, I can definitely agree with that, too. And that that's kind of another thing that I do to sort of help with when writer's block pops up, is that any given time I'm writing, I've usually got so many other side projects going on of where they're not necessarily, like, main big idea things or things that realistically I'm even wanting to see through to fruition of publishing. But part of that I feel just helps me because then it's like, well, if I can't think of, or I'm getting hung up on something, it's like, you know, I can at least try and jump ship to this thing, maybe clear my mind for a while and go from there and see what happens. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, Matthew. So you since you're kind of like the microfiction king of the publishing studio right now. When you write your microfiction, do you feel like you hit writer's block on those since they're obviously a lot smaller stories? Or is it more on the more long form writing that you do? I'd say it's honestly more on the long form writing because I, I gotta say one of the best attributes I have for inspiration is my wife Jordana because if I'm I mean the the whole thing so I'll I'll dial it back actually here because this is kind of a fun story so the whole reason I even started writing microfiction is because my wife does tutoring after school and I was emailing back and forth with her and she was telling me you know like I'm bored I could use a story and I was like well what do you want me to write you a story about and she was like write like a short you know, like hundred word story about what it would be like if, you know, randomly one day sticky notes revolted and, you know, took back everything that was theirs from the people who have used them. 
And I was like, huh, okay. And then next thing I knew, I He's was... Been led by that sticky note computer program that pops up in the corner and gives you tips? <laughs> no, no, this was more of just like tangible, you know, actual, like good old-fashioned post-it notes. Do not invoke the name of Clippy. <laughs> But yeah, and then from there, like, there are so many other moments where she'll just randomly be like, hey, write me a story about this, or what about this, or what about that? And it always just gets my brain kind of flowing. And then I, from there, I usually have no problem coming up with so many different ideas. Okay, so it sounds like she's like a really good, like, support person for you when you kind of hit that block then. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, even, even in addition to that, she's definitely been my muse slash inspiration for a lot of other things. Like the whole, what sleeps in woolen lark. Mm -hmm. Like that's, I, I believe I've mentioned it before, but that's based off of, you know, there's a really creepy statue on the river walk near the downtown area where we live. And one day when we were walking by it, she was just like, you know, that statue's always wigged me out. It seems like the kind that would, you know, come to night at life or sorry come to life at night <laughs> said that backwards there but uh and then that's honestly what got the gears turning and then i was like oh my god what if that did happen <laughs> hmm you know i remember the first time you showed me a picture of that statue i was eating at longhorn with my father and i just stared at the statue for like a solid minute and I showed it to my dad, and he's like, that is creepy as fuck. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, so this is how he this is how he got his uh, inspiration for that story he's working on. And my dad's like, if I ever see a statue like that, I'm going to get a shovel and break it down or something. That thing stares into your soul. Um, Have you guys seen the statue, Erica and James? I have not. No, oh, I'm gonna have to, oh. I'm gonna have to share that with you guys, dude. It it is something horrific. You know, on the topic of horrific, this is like nowhere planned in this episode. But I just can I share a dream I had with y'all last night? Yeah, go for it. So, I had a dream that I was in Tokyo, which. If you didn't know, Tokyo is like on my bucket list of places to go. It's like number one destination. I don't want to go to like downtown Tokyo, but like I want to go to Japan, Kyoto, stuff like that. So here I am, right? And I'm walking downtown and it's beautiful, man. It's one of those dreams where you can just... You can feel everything. You can smell everything. It's like you're there. And I'm walking and suddenly the scenery starts to shift. And this is going to be a little graphic here just as a warning for you guys. But those like radiant faces of people that pass by me turned grotesque their flesh melted away into like this really unnerving spectacle of despair, right? Their smiles turned into grimaces. Their eyes fucking bulged out, guys. They bulged out. 
And it was just terrifying how quickly that, that dream changed. I was like, man, come on. This is perfect. <laughs> and the worst part about it was, you guys know who Jackie Chan is? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jackie Chan was in my dream. <laughs> he dismembered my legs. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. There's like these people walking to like this tourist mine shaft for fun area, I guess. Yeah. And this Japanese centipede demon fucking like killed them all. But the, the point I was making with this whole fucking terrified story was. Sounds like an episode of Inuyasha. God dang. <laughs> Give me the sacred jewel shard. <laughs> what I was um, what I was saying, well, what I was getting at, I woke up and after like the night terror part of that kind of subsided, I was like, man, that'd be a really good fucking story, you know? Like, yeah. I've uh, I have some Japanese inspired um stories for later this year i'm going to be working on but that i think is going to be its own standalone i'm kind of brainstorming some stuff with it but that kind of goes into how people can break writer's block you know sometimes you can find inspiration in the most obscure places right like the statue for Waldemark, the terrifying jackie chin dismember my legs dream for my Japanese horror story. Um, Erica, James, y'all ever find any like inspiration in obscure places like that? Oh, I have found the dumbest way to get inspired. So dumb and counterproductive that I've only pulled it off three or four times, but when I do, it's glorious. <laughs> I need... The way I break the most severe writer's block... Is I get something I de- I get something completely different I desperately need to do that like I really like I should genuinely be paying more attention to, and I procrastinate on it by writing. Huh. It's the stupidest thing. My so... brain won't let me do what I need to do, so if I just get something more important and not do that, I can write. Oh, James. <laughs> okay. So we're talking about positive ways to fight writer's block here. Um, I smoke real- weed. What? To fight writer's block. I smoke weed. Okay. I listen. You- I am a medical marijuana hey. patient. I don't have to be secretive about it. I hey, do it no, in a legal hey. way. Coalescence Publishing is completely down for that you know we may not sell it or anything but i don't see anything wrong with that what i was going to say on that note though um going back to you real quick james i don't think there's nothing wrong with that as long as you get your stuff done ultimately you know you do you um everyone has their own coping mechanisms for writer's block but did i ever tell you guys the story about jerry I don't even know who Jerry is. Okay, well, story time. So, is is and, this recent Jerry? 
No, this is not recent, Jerry. Okay. No. Oh, um. No, wait. Yes. Is it the no, con, no. Jerry? No, 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 no. We're not gonna. We're not gonna mention that at, on this podcast. Um. But this is a Jerry I went to college with at the University of Tennessee. Shout out to you, Jerry, if you're listening, wherever you are. Um, Jerry was like this really cool guy, right? So I was in like the humanities area. And I was sitting there one day reading a book. And this guy walked in. He sits down next to me. And he's like, man, do you write? And I'm like, uh, I do like fanfic and stuff. He's like, well, I have some writer's block, man. And I can't for the life of me figure it out. I've had it for like four weeks now. And I'm like, huh? And he's like, I was thinking maybe if I like talk to random people, maybe they can like help me out. I'm like, well, man, I, I don't really know what to tell you, but you know, try XYZ. You know, I gave him the normal, like try to find inspiration, try to, you know, work on something else. Well, I kind of saw him for a few days after that in the same area, talking to other people, but then he just fucking vanished for like three weeks, right? So, I kind of, so I started realizing, holy shit, Jerry's not coming in anymore. I I wonder what happened. Probably just some random guy. Well, three weeks later, he comes in, He's like, man, I fixed my writer's block. I'm like, how'd you do it? And for those of you listening, this is not an endorsement of this activity whatsoever. Please be responsible with your drug of choices. He's like, I did shrooms. And I wrote while I was tripping. And I was like, bro. This guy literally is telling me he was tripping and it fixed his writer's block, you know. And Erica, you and I have had conversations about like, I wonder what it'd be like to write while you're tripping, stuff like that. So, I don't know. That's how Jerry fixed his writer's block. Again, not an endorsement whatsoever. I I know people who've changed their life for the better, you know. With like shrooms. Like I knew a guy that sat in his room for an entire night by himself. Just quiet. He didn't do anything. And then the next day he came out and he was just like I don't think I want to be friends with so and so anymore. And we were like us his roommates were like what? Why? And he was like I had a whole conversation with this man that came into my room last night, he was just like what you would imagine a grandfather to be, he said. And we just sat down on the bed and talked about how this person was using me, and he was right. So I'm just not going to be hanging out with that person anymore. And we were all just like, all right, man. Oh. And I mean, it was the best choice he ever made. <laughs>
well. That's uh weird stuff happens. Again, not an endorsement. Be safe out there. Don't do as I say, not as I do. Drugs are dangerous. <laughs> if not uh done correctly and in the right company. Yeah. So when we talk about finding inspiration aside from, you know, <laughs> psilocybin and marijuana and stuff um, and creepy statues and weird night terrors. Do you guys have any advice for writers that might be experiencing writer's block or anything like that? Don't panic. It will pass. Um, take some time for yourself. Sometimes writer's block is your mind's way of telling you like hey you need a break so take advantage of that moment go do something you enjoy you never know in those brief moments of relaxation something might come to you and it's over like that hmm okay I gotta kinda I was gonna say I gotta kinda agree with uh, Jerry's original plan to a point like I found that sometimes just talking to people because you never know what somebody's going to say in conversation or what ideas some people might have or, you know, I mean, I, I, I could give another story of like originally when I was thinking about uh, writing uh, the Mr. Salinas's seven scary stories that I wrote. I was thinking about, you know, what kind of stories I could write to bring together into like a short story horror anthology. I was substitute teaching at the time. And I had a random kid like walk up to me while I was, you know, just doing recess duty. And they handed me a drawing of a ghost. And I was just like, what's this? And they were like, well, we made it in art class. And it was like a small, just like picture of a typical, like half oval ghost with like a little swoop part at the bottom that looks like the bottom of like a bed sheet or bed sheet or a cape or something and they pulled it down and then it had these crazy like gnarly fangs and they were like you put it up in your apartment because the, the kids knew i lived in an apartment nearby and he was like and then if there's any ghosts this ghost will lure them in and then you just pull the flap down and then it'll eat the other ghosts alive and i was like oh man <laughs> this is exactly what i needed <laughs> that's awesome and that is how Tyler's ghost was born. <laughs> also, oh, okay. um, sometimes kids can just be scary. Kids are horrific in themselves. Oh? Yeah, sometimes kids just do weird things. Creepy things. Man. Like when they talk about their quote-unquote imaginary friends. Nah, fam. Uh-uh. No. Matthew, Matthew, let me ask you a question. Let's yeah. say... You know, a few years from now, you have like, you know, little Matthew Jr. running around, and you and Jordana, you're you all are having dinner, and suddenly Matthew Jr. comes up, and he's like, "Mommy, Daddy, the imaginary man up in my room is telling me ways on how I can, you know, do whatever." You know, like, what do you guys do at that point? Is that gonna unnerve you a bit, or? No, I mean, I, I think I've kind of talked to you outside of the podcast about this before. As much as I write about that kind of stuff, like, I'm a hardcore skeptic. 
like I, I would honestly just be like, all right, the kid's gotten active and wild imagination. You know, it's it's just it's just like his old man, you know, but And then there's like real life horror. Like there was a story on R slash no sleep I read once where it was uh this family or maybe this was a Mr. Ballin story. I can't remember. I, I listen to and read a lot of scary, creepy stuff. But either way, there was this family and there was this kid and his mom and dad didn't know where he kept getting this candy from because they weren't giving him candy. Ooh, I know this. And then his brother one day heard him it was talking to somebody. I don't... Sister, brother, his older sibling heard uh-huh. him talking to somebody in his room one day and when they opened the door there was nobody in there but he was like sitting there with his back to the door like facing the window and he had some candies on the floor well long story short the parents were skeptical and then one night they like saw some weird shadows outside their window at night and the older sibling saw someone pass across their window towards their, like, going towards their brother's room. And he went and woke up his parents and told them what they saw, and when their dad went into the room, there was this guy halfway in their, like, young child's room, coming inside the window. And his little brother was just standing there, like, this person was, like, his friend. And the person fell out of the window and ran away, and, like, I think it ended, like, they didn't find this person. They still that don't know is... who it was. <laughs> yeah, and for no, months, that's... this guy was giving their his little bro- this kid's little brother like candies from his window, and like the person he heard him talking to was that guy. Jeez. Real life horror is like it gets to me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You know, I have a story. Um, I might have shared it on this podcast before, but it's uh, one I can't really explain. So if any of you guys listening that has any explanation for this, please <laughs> totally let me know. Um, I was outside of my backyard doing some stuff. And my dad's window faces the backyard a little bit, right? So... One day, you know, I'm, you know, tearing some brush down, getting the yard cleaned up for the spring, and I hear his window open. And I turn around, and my dad's, you know, he's looking out the window, and he's got the Roku TV remote in his hand, and he's like, "Hey, the remote's not working. Can you, uh, can you come take a look at it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, Dad. Give me like two seconds." So I put the brush down, and I'm walking to my front yard and as I turned a corner to the front of my house I noticed my dad's truck is gone and suddenly I hear my dogs barking in the house right so something tells me hey you should probably call him something doesn't seem right so I pull my phone out and in the county we live in, you have to like go and drive and drop off your trash. We don't have a trash pickup because I live in rural Tennessee. And I call my dad. He's like, yeah, what's up? And I'm like, where are you? 
He's like, I'm here at the garbage dump. I got Buddy and Minnie with me. And I hear the dogs start barking on the end of the phone, right? Dude. I told him, I'm like, you need to get the fuck back here. There is something terribly fucking wrong in this house. I'm going to be outside. I'm not going anywhere fucking back inside the fucking house till you get back. And he gets back and I tell him what happened. And I go to his bedroom and the Roku remote is there under the windowsill. Don't have an explanation for it at all, man. And I'm a skeptic, too, on some of that shit. Like, I don't believe the paranormal is as widely, you know, seen as people think it is. I think people sometimes like to see things or what have you. But that, I don't have any way to logically explain what happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, anywho, um, as we do on every podcast, I, uh, I like to ask chat GPT, uh, well, I like to see what chat GPT would like to ask us. You know, I feel like these are always fun. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh we yeah. Go. We might as well so, call him Chad GPT. <laughs> <laughs> so I asked uh chad gpt real quick that should just be a story in and of itself just like chat gpt becomes sentient gets like a robotic body tries to go to normal high school and fit in as chad gpt yeah now matthew don't be giving out trade secrets over here jeez (laughs) who is this my name is chad giapetti Um, so I said, Hey, Chad GPT, hope you're having a great Saturday. I'm doing my podcast with my authors. Can you give me a very easy question to ask? And it says, as an author, you create intricate worlds and deep complex characters that can resonate with a vast array of readers. Given the ever increase in diverse audience that is now more global than ever, how do you tackle the challenge of authenticity? How do you ensure that your characters and settings feel genuine and relatable to readers from widely different cultures and backgrounds without falling into stereotypes and misrepresentation? I like to stick with the old school adage of I write what I know and that that's what i stick to because i feel like that's the only way i can write something that's authentic is if it's something i either have experience with or know a lot about and then mm-hmm. beyond that like i mean that that is a that is a good question it, it's hard you know there's there's a lot of i'm sure cultures and demographics and other things that i don't necessarily know if i'll ever be able to really reach or provide entertainment with but at the same time i guess the aspect of diversity is part of what makes the literary world such an ever growing and ever changing thing i mean there'll always be authors for every demographic and i feel like you know i'm I'm not saying that you can't branch out or you know write about other things but i feel like that's you know 
as an author, I feel like I know my demographic and what I have experienced and comfortable authentically writing about. And personally, that's just what I stick to. Okay. Cool. Cool. I do what I want. I do what I feel. Let chaos reign. Ah, fair enough. James? Hmm? Sorry, I had one of my signatures on at moments. Oh, excellent. So, how do you basically um, keep your stories authentic? Um, the question was, given the ever-increase in diverse audience that is now more global than ever, how do you tackle the challenge of authenticity in your writing? How do you ensure that your characters and settings feel genuine and relatable to readers from widely different cultures and backgrounds without falling into stereotypes and misrepresentation? Oh, um, I don't. I, I write what I think is fun and cool. And uh, most of the time, if like, I, I avoid stereotypes because for the most part, I think they're stupid, but that's a personal preference. Um but I, I don't write to appeal to anyone else. I write because it's fun. Okay. So for me, um, like I mentioned earlier, I have some Japanese inspired like stories I'm planning on releasing at the end, end of this year. And for those, of course, you want to be respectful, or at least I do. I, I want to be respectful to the culture. I want to make sure I'm not, misrepresenting them or being culturally inappropriate because I am getting my inspiration from them in their culture. Right. So I've been doing a lot of studying, lots of research, kind of seeing how I should name things, how I should word things, what type of attitudes they have, what their personalities are like for their culture I'm doing a lot of cultural investigation and research for it. So I think for your standard non, I mean, for your standard fiction work, you know, you guys are definitely solid in that, like write what you know and, you know, your demographics. I think if you're going to write something inspired by a particular culture, you should definitely do your research. You know what I mean? That, that way you're making sure you're not being disrespectful to that culture. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah I completely agree. But, um, hell. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, that'd be like someone writing a book about how all Appalachian people are, uh, yeah. rednecks with, uh, broken down trucks, which <laughs> trust me, we are not <laughs> our trucks work. Thank you very much. <laughs> what was you going to say Erica oh um, on the um, I don't really worry about uh, what's the word authenticity cause yeah I'm one of those people that almost everything has already been written. Even if you look into some music, a lot of it is being like reused and reworked into new and different like songs and stuff. 
Um, but trying to step out of like your comfort zone as well with writing is sometimes also fun and and a good idea and can often birth like interesting concepts and new ideas towards something that has already been created like a like a uh i'm not that big of a fan of the superhero thing shtick like you know marvel dc so on and so forth i don't know i i i, I could never really get into those types of things because when i think of something like that the superhero and things like that i think of like some like darker origins and not necessarily aliens falling from space or rich people uh donning on a suit and things like that so for me right now with what i am working on currently that's really outside of my comfort zone Making my own, like, hero-verse, I guess, with what I think it should be, if that makes sense. I gotcha. Yeah, so you're kind of taking it and you're tailoring it to what you think it should be, essentially. Or what I wish it was. Okay, that makes sense. Well, heck yeah. Well, guys, I um, I think this is a good stopping point for the night. Well, how you guys feel? Yeah, yeah. Vaguely hungry. Awkward as usual. <laughs> Don't be awkward. <laughs> um. I think ultimately write what you want to write, of course, but I think as authors, we do have a responsibility to make sure our writing doesn't innately harm for the sake of wanting to harm. Right. So I think that's our responsibility, you know, yeah, I mean, there's def- definitely an ethical and a moral responsibility of, you know, not writing things that are inflammatory in a sense, and at the same time, too, you know, not making entertainment out of subjects that should be approached, you know, tactfully and with poise. Right, and, you know, there are subjects that, you know for historical purposes and stuff, I think need to be addressed in more of a nonfiction sense, right? Where you're using strictly hard facts, that way people are made aware. But other than that, if you're writing these horrible things, these very hateful, hateful things and concepts that harms a specific demographic or what have you, that that 
at that point you are doing harm as an author yeah but don't be hateful don't plagiarize exactly so with that being said i think this is a good stopping point guys if you're a reader keep on reading if you're a writer keep on writing and we'll see you guys next time have a good night peace